Happy trails to you. It's great to say hello and to share with you the joy I've come to know. Jesus, uh, this picture yourself as a young man there at the helm of the ship and um, notice he has both hands on the helm and uh, he's very attentive and he's listening to Jesus to guide his ship in which way to go. There's rapids all around, there's rocks, there's quicksand, there's all kinds of dangers in life. And as I go through this and relate some things from my life, I want you to think about the things from your life and how Christ has guided you all the way. Now, he's been there. We've missed him different times. We didn't listen. I think we got on our little boat and left the ship myself. <laughs> and left Christ on the ship, and we got out in another little boat, went another way. And we got in trouble every time. But thank God we're still here. He preserved our lives. I mean, we're still here. We're still preaching the gospel. Uh, we're still doing what we're supposed to. We're, we're back on the ship again. But... Um, I want to go through here, and as you go through with me, uh, you know, Iris and I both were from, uh, we grew up in Fishersville, Virginia as a child. Uh, in fact, she was there until she moved to Stanton, I think, after she graduated from high school. And it's amazing, you know, we were down there the other day, you know, the Augusta Health Hospital is right where we grew up. In fact, the next hill over from Augusta Health Hospital is where our farm was, my daddy rented and there's a church there, the Crossroads Baptist Church. As you go by the hospital on that road, there's a church right up here on the left, Crossroads Baptist. Well, that's right over that hill is where I grew up on the, on the farm to Daddy died when I was 10. Now, ours lived on the Tinkin Springs Road, just about a quarter mile up of the Tinkin Springs Road there from the church. And her home now is a parsonage, and there's a church in her backyard where their barn was. And also, I want to tell you that Christian's Creek flowed through our farm. <laughs> Christian's Creek. It, you know, it, God has a plan. He has a destiny for us. And I think this picture really shows it from our birth. Uh, he has a plan for us. And like I said, you know, many of us here, many of you watching or listening, uh, we got away from the, his plan. We actually got off the ship and didn't even listen to him, but... but he always had us to welcome us back on the ship, back on board again, uh, and to guide us. And thank God, you know, we did. But I want to go through this and just, um, you just think with me. Uh, I was born in tough times. You know, in uh, 1929, the stock market crashed. I was born in 1936. Well, the stock market crash was 1929. And I mean, the bankers, they were jumping out of windows and committing suicide. It was a terrible sui uh, rate. Uh, three years before I was born, um, in 1933, Franklin uh, Delano Roosevelt uh, got elected president for the first of four terms. He's the only one who was ever elected for four terms. Of course, he died in office in his fourth term. But this is what was going on just less than three years before I was born. Um, Time magazine said March 1933 was a terrifying month for Americans. The unemployment rate was 25%. Can you imagine this? Soup lines. I mean, people lined up soup lines to try and get something to eat. Farmers and bankers alike suddenly lost their livelihoods. 
Stocks were down 75% from 1929. 75%. In these four years, the suicide rate had tripled. People had lost everything that they had. So instead of... See, if Christ is not your pilot and you got your mind on something else, you know, you got your mind on uh, even a, a, a love relationship or a spouse or in high school, you know, if, uh, some, some girl or boy. A lot of suicides are o- over things like this or, or your finances or your business. If that's your main focus, then you can actually commit suicide and lose your life. But if your focus is on Jesus Christ and he's your pilot, you will stay steadfast. You, you might get off track for a while, but you will come back. If Christ is your pilot and the word is your guide and you're listening to the Holy Spirit. I mean, we've all gotten off. I don't know if anybody hadn't gotten off some. We've all gotten off. But Christ will always bring us back. And, and following on here... Uh, FDR, he, he took office in 1933, and one of my early childhood memories was that Frank, FDR came to Stanton. I actually saw President Roosevelt. <laughs> it, sometime it'll come back. <laughs> I was like uh, five, six, six years old, seven, maybe seven. No, I don't think I was seven, but, but I saw Granddaddy and I were on the street. You know, the train station at Stanton up Lewis Street, I believe it is. And uh, he got off of that train, and his carriage was coming down the street, and he had that infectious smile. He was waving. As he, and he was going to Woodrow Wilson's birthplace. He wanted to visit Berkeley. So that, that's one of my earliest childhood memories. I actually saw FDR when he came to Stanton. And FDR had a lot of faith. You know, um, in fact, he's the one that said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And, you know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. There was a lot of fear. As a child on the farm, uh, I would come up to granddad's on the weekends, and, but there was a lot of fear going on. You know, the stock market, the, the farmers out west, their ranches and farms were blowing away. It was the Dust Bowl days. And their farms actually were blowing away. It was, horrible. It was a horrible time. And uh, so it was the Great Depression. Um, so uh, Franklin, uh, FDR, he assumed the president, presidency in March of 1933. And he helped the American people regain their faith again. A lot of people talk about his programs. Oh, he was a liberal. Look, people needed some help. I mean, depending on Social Security, I don't know what my, uh, what my grandparents would have done. Because granddaddy was a carpenter. He was out of work a lot. And the grandma depended on that Social Security check. FDR, he put in the Social Security, he put, he put in welfare, and I know that's been abused. And uh, he, uh, the CCC boys, anybody heard of them? Nelson Fultz, uh, he was a great friend of mine and I loved him, pastor at Newport when I was there. Some of you have told that, that your loved ones were part of the CCC boys. They built Skyline Drive, Shandor Parkway. Roosevelt did all that to get people back to work again. They had to get back to work, had to have some faith again, some confidence. You can't just sit around here like those lepers did and said, you know, we might as well go and go to the enemy's camp and see what we can do. And went there and found that the camp had been deserted. It was all kind of food and wealth there. And went back and told uh, the king of Israel. And, of course, they went and got, we can't just sit and do nothing. 
you know, we can't just sit and start. But Roosevelt, he was a lot of faith, and he, he had what was called the New Deal. The New Deal. But, you know, I was thinking about that. Um, Satan gave us a raw deal. A raw deal. Man listened to him in the Garden of Eden, you know, instead of God. And that's how we got in trouble, got a raw deal. <clears throat> and Jesus came to give us a new deal, the new covenant. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 33, the, the blood covenant. You know, uh, righteousness for our sins, health for our sickness, prosperity for our poverty, faith for our fear. He gave us a new deal where Satan gave us a raw deal. So, so Franklin DR's his uh, new deal was social programs. And, and that was good at that time. But when you make the government your God instead of God as your source, that's where people get in trouble. When, you know, if you're just waiting uh, uh, for the government to come to your aid and, and not looking to the Lord, see, that's wrong. Uh, don't have that check, you know, as your main focus. Have God as your focus. And he's your source. And, and don't say I'm on that fixed income because with God it's not fixed. So just, just make sure that, that, that government's not our God. See, socialism is trying to make uh, the government God. You know, the free education, uh, free health care, free everything. It's not free. We that are still working are paying for it. It's not free. None of it is free. Somebody's paying for it. So, so have God as your source. Thank God for the government, uh, our Social Security, and, <clears throat> and for that that we paid in. But uh, just make sure that, that you don't make uh, government your God. But, but we're thankful at that time for the New Deal of Frank and D. Roosevelt and what he brought, the plans he brought in. Okay. Um, if we deal Satan out and Jesus in in every area of our lives, we can be complete. So receive the New Deal to replace the raw deal that Satan has given us. Well, um, when I was <clears throat> five years old, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, December the 7th, 1941. I don't remember that. I don't think you remember it, Virginia. She does. She, she's a little older than me. But uh, I remember it. It was great fear. It was great fear. And you know, America had gotten away from God in the Roaring Twenties. It was called the Roaring Twenties, you know, the Charleston and all that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they got away from God, and there was a lot of sin going on. And see, when, when uh, a nation, a family, or a person forgets God... God brings in his judgment. It, it always happens. And, and the stock market crashed in 1929 just like that. And all these terrible things happened. The farms started blowing away by the wind at west and, and uh, all this. And, and, of course, he raised up. He always raises up somebody to, to help. And to uh, FDR has some moral failures. And I'm sorry to say he had a mistress. And uh, he... Uh, his wife, uh, Eleanor, she found out he was cheating on her, and she said, well, we'll have separate bedrooms from now on. And that had, they had all these children, and she found these letters that this lover had written to him, and she said, this is it. And it, she, didn't, she didn't forgive him. Now, I don't know how, whether he uh, asked forgiveness or not, but it, it's, it was sad when you read this of how... The, that so many of our leaders had moral failures. I guess if God's looking for a perfect person, you can never find one. Even David, a man after God's own heart, 
David has a moral failure, and he did some things that were not good at all. But David was quick to repent. Well, anyway, uh, God used uh, FDR, and, I, and I'm thankful for the good, good that he done. And Eleanor Roosevelt, his wife, she was a great uh, lady, too. She did a lot of good things. She didn't let that stop her. She did a lot of good things. Well, anyway, uh, Franklin Roosevelt would do these uh, far-side chats, and he could just talk to people. He had a gift of communication like Ronald Reagan did. And he got people calmed down. You know, he said, you know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And, you know, we've got to get these banks back open again. You can't make a rush on the banks and get your money out because that money is, is invested. It's not there. And he, he talked to them and, and got people calmed down again. And then, of course, then Pearl Harbor happened December 7, 1941, when the Japanese bombed um, Pearl Harbor. And uh, uh, the attack caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. <clears throat> the bombing killed more than 2,335 Americans. 1,143 were wounded. It completely destroyed the American battleship, the USS. Four battleships sunk. Uh, uh, four damaged. 188 aircraft destroyed. And uh, Roosevelt said this is a day which will live in infamously. Uh, the surprise attack came as a profound shock to the American people and led directly into the American entry into World War II, both in the Pacific and European theaters. Uh, the U.S. declared war on Japan. Several days later, on December 11th, Germany and Italy declared war on the United States. The United States responded with a declaration of war against Germany and Italy, namely Hitler and Mussolini. So Tojo was a Japan leader, used the devil, Hitler, Germany, and Mussolini, uh, Italy. It was three, uh, three, the triple satanic leadership, you might say. And, uh, you know, the Lord was with us though, during that terrible war. I talked to one member, Stuart Fitzgerald, Bobby Camel's um, uncle, and I said, Stuart, you know, what was it like? He was over in all that fighting. He said, he said what was it like? He said, well, they would tell us, you know, McGothern and Eisenhower tell us, oh, this is a piece of cake. We'll go in. We'll take them right out. He said, we got off them battleships. And, you know, Alan Sammers, my, my uh, Margaret's, you know, boyfriend, he, he ran one of them naval uh, ships that, that uh, deposited the boys on the beaches. And that's what he did. And, boy, they could have been taken out any time. But he made it through also. But anyway, uh, it was, Stuart said, we were, we were really afraid all the whole time because it was hell on earth. It was over 50 million lives were lost in the Second World War. Over 50 million. It affected everybody. It affected the area here. It affected everybody. And, uh, but Jeremiah 3, 4 relates, you're the guide of my youth. You're the guide of my youth. And uh, the Lord brought us through that terrible war. And uh, getting back to me, I, I just want to say here, this, you know, I talk about my grandmother's... Um, Bible storybook a lot. Uh, this was it here. This was what Grandma encouraged me to read as a child. I'd come up on the weekends, and uh, I would reach for this Bible. It's amazing how God was leading me at, at that early age. And this was, uh, I read in the front of it, why was it, why was it so powerful? Uh, and, the, and the author said it's because it was written for everybody. It was written for adults as well as children. 
And so I would read the stories. You know, I would read the stories uh, through this thing. I want to make sure I got the right one here. I think this is it right here. Yeah. See, see the pictures? There's some clippings, grandma head in it. But see, uh, Jesus finds four disciples, uh, the feast beside the sea. This, look at those illustrations. I mean, I was just amazed. Good, the good shepherd and the good Samaritan. I was just captivated by this. So make sure your children and grandchildren have a, have a Bible like this because, I mean, I just, it was just full of the stories and it just brought the, uh, made the Bible come alive. And that's where I first got my education in the Word of God, just coming up on the weekends and reading that. And then this was Grandpa Hulvey's Bible. I'm sorry to say, but in, in, uh, I didn't have a strong spiritual leader in my family. My dad, he was not a spiritual man. He took us to church at Tinkton Springs, but uh, he was not a spiritual person. My granddaddy, uh, Rife, on my mother's uh, side, he would give me the last nickel he had, and he did many times. And I look forward to him coming up on the, coming to get me down to the farm on the weekend and taking me up. But he was not a spiritual man. He was not. Uh, he didn't go to church. I got him going a while. But, uh, but Grandpa Hulvey, now this is Grandpa Hulvey's Bible. Now, he died when I was about seven or eight years old. My dad died when I was ten. And uh, Grandpa Harvey was a godly man. And I'm looking forward to meeting him in heaven one day. And uh, he's got here in the back of it a J.H. Uh, Harvey. Uh, his name was Jacob Harvey Harvey. And he was a justice of the peace in Swope. And it's on west of Stanton. And uh, he was a godly man. He was mistreated by his family. Uh, I'm really sorry about that, um, but he was. He was mistreated uh, by his family, uh, and I know because he was a godly man. And so don't think you won't be mistreated even by your family because uh, the devil hates righteousness. He hates when somebody stands up for God. He could perform marriages. And, um, so, and I wondered, as I, as I went through here, I wonder why there's no writing in it. Look, look there's no writing. I mean, my Bible is just full of, full of writing. Brother Hagen told us we could write in our Bibles, and I guess that's... But back then, you did not write in your Bible. This was a holy book, and don't you dare write in it. Never. But, uh, and so that's the reason I would go through it, and I'd look and say, Oh, Grandpa Hope, I just wish you would just say something <laughs> that I could just get a hold of. But, but he said, No, this is what you need to get a hold of. The Word of God, and uh, so thank God I did. And but the Lord was guiding, you know, through um, through uh, Grandpa Harvey. I had a godly heritage there, and through uh, Grandma Rife, uh, you know, she she pointed me to the Bible to read the Bible, and um, I'm just thankful for uh, Jesus, my pilot, that uh, he was guiding even even back then. In the 1950s, polio was raging. I developed a lot of fear. I really did. I was a happy child, but uh, after Dad died, we moved to Stanton with my grandparents, and polio started raging in the 50s. No salt vaccine. My friend right up the road, he come down to that ambulance, and it was just, oh, it was horrible. I mean, it was, uh, I remember with Bill, this seemed like everybody was getting polio. It, it, was, a, it was a plague. And, and I developed a lot of fear, a lot of different things. I ended up in the hospital, shock treatments, uh, isolation from my family, psychology, nothing worked. 
And when I returned home, you know, thank God, I went back to the Bible, back to the Word. And that's where I found peace again. Back to the Bible. See, you know, he was with me all the time. Even uh, when polio was raging before the soft vaccine, and he was saying, you know, don't go there. Don't go the way of fear. You know, don't go that way. You know, trust in me. But see, fear can become your God. You know, whatever is not focused on Jesus is, is a God. I don't care who it is or what it is. We have got to stay focused on Jesus and the Word, or it's an idol, and it gets God very upset that we would do that because we're supposed to know Him as our Lord and Savior. We're supposed to be trusting Him and not get all frustrated and all worried when things don't go our way. He says, look, I'm telling you to go that way, and i got my hand on your shoulder, and if you just listen to me, you're going to come out of this. But you've got to listen and not get so depressed. So I finally returned home and my pilot Jesus beckoned me to get back on the ship of faith, take hold of the helm instead of the devil and all his fear. Let Jesus be my pilot to direct me away from the quicksand, the sinkholes, the rapids and the rocks along the shore and get back to safe, peaceful sailing with him as my pilot. So I rose from my place of prayer, picked up again the old rugged cross, Started carrying it again. I've not released my grip on it till today. This very day has kept me. Been through trials, recent burnout and all that. But it's because, see, I got my focus on problems instead of Jesus who leads you through the problems. See, why, why would we let the problems take his place? But it can happen if you let it. See, we've got a will. We've got a will. And he will never violate that will. See, if he would violate the will of man, he would have stopped Adam and Eve what they were doing. He'd have overrode them right there. But he did not. And he won't. He'll let us go our own way. He'll let us do our own thing. And we're getting all this mess. And, oh, Lord, fuck, help me get back to you again. Help me get back on the ship. Let me feel your hand on my shoulder again. Oh, let me just see you pointing the way, Lord. Oh, just help me to do it right. Uh, Isaiah 58, 11 says, well, uh, And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. Make fat your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. See, we're on that ship again. Okay. Well, <clears throat> So I started going to church again, and it was so wonderful to get back to church and loving uh, the Word and, and at 19 and, and uh, getting back on that ship of faith again. And then I, two years later, I said, well, I want to go to see the world. I'm tired. I've never been anywhere except Washington, D.C. from Stanton. <laughs> so I went to New York. I mean, New York, can you believe it? You know, I woke up last night. I said, oh, it's a good thing Christ was my pilot. Because I had no sense of fear. I mean, I lived on 57th Street, and I got off like at 4 o'clock in the morning hoarding hard in the cafeteria, and I would walk home in the streets of New York City at night by myself. And I just thought, see, the 60s, the drug culture came three years later. But you know, God, my pilot had his hand on me because Billy Graham was having his Madison Square Garden crusade. 
I mean, I was drawn to that. I didn't know Billy Graham was going to be there. I would go and sit and watch him and Cliff Barrett. He had that long mic cord and Cliff Barrett. So I was sitting behind him. Cliff Barrett would keep Billy from tripping over that long mic, mic cord. But back then, you couldn't clip on like this. Cliff Barrett had to keep him from Billy. And Billy was about 38 and I was 21. We were both young. And, uh, but it was wonderful, you know, to, to uh, sit under the Billy Graham at, at that age. And um, Christ, my pilot, he said, you know, I, <clears throat> I got you covered. I got you covered. And so I really, that was an important time. And then I wasn't satisfied with that and went back home a little while and then went to California, all the way to Los Angeles, all these beautiful trains, you know, all the way. I remember I changed at Cincinnati, changed to Chicago, and took me into Los Angeles three days and three nights. I didn't have sense enough to get asleep or I sat up the whole time. I can't believe it. I was like a zombie when I got there. But I made it, and I was there for seven weeks in, in Los Angeles. I was in Europe for three months. And um, so then came back and, uh, and uh, enrolled at Brant's Business School. Iris was there, and, and uh, I knew her as a child. She didn't know me, but then we started going together. And, and God, he led me uh, back here and to her, and uh, we were married, you know, a couple years later. So uh, he, my pilot, Jesus, has guided me all the way. This is just so much as I think back, and, and um, we were very active at St. Paul's Church. Uh, under our pastor and uh, helped him 13 years at Walker's Creek Little Missions Church. And then we, of course, had the big church at Stanton downtown. And uh, then we went into the ministry and, and over at uh, Highland and Bath Counties and three churches over in Bath County uh, in Highland while I was a student at Eastern Mennonite. And uh, I remember Brother Robson, he came to me and he said, uh, uh, Leroy said, uh, I'm getting old. And he said, uh, would you take my place up at uh, Chimney Run at Warm Springs? And he was, an, uh, he was a godly man. I mean, he's one of the men, you know, that I can feel strength even today. He said, uh, and it, it was mostly his children in, in the uh, church. He started that church. And uh, I remember, you know, I was preaching. I was just starting out, you know, as a young man. And, and uh, I would look at his nods of approval. Yeah, yeah, man. It just meant so much. Brother Rob, just, you know, just, just giving me some encouragement just to, you know, to preach the word. And just such a, such a godly man. So he, he's in heaven. A great encour- we need encouragers in our life. Jesus is the greatest one. And we'd have baptismal services, you know, out in the river. And, I mean, them kids, our, that's where she started the junior church. It was mainly his grandchildren. You know, I told you beforehand, I'd be up here preaching, and they'd get around my leg and, you know, just hold on to me. And I'd be trying to preach the word, you know. And then kids, and the parents were too bashful to come up and get them. Up there in the mountains, you know, they, they were really bashful. And uh, so Iris rescued me, and she started junior church. Thank God. I don't know how many it was. It was a lot of them. But, the, but she started a junior church out of necessity, I think. Uh, but but the, the kids did learn the word, and um, it, it was really wonderful. And um, so then uh, after over there for four and a half years, uh, we came to Page County, September 1st, 1978. And Christ, our pilot, led us to our first full-time pastor down here at Newport for 10 years and four months. And we had a... Wonderful time down at a great soul-winning church, four bus routes, and a lot of kids. You know, George Sinclair, I'll never forget that man. He, he was one of the greatest kids and young people's minister I've ever seen in my life. He just, 
them kids just, he just held them in his grip and, and just loved him. And uh, so it, it was wonderful. And, and then, of course, the Lord led us here 30 years ago. Um, January 1st, 1989, it's been 30 years, you know, this, this month. And uh, so, so we have been here now 30 years. And, but, you know, there is um, a persecution for the word's sake. Um, there is persecution. Don't think you'll get... All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There has been persecution. And don't think you're going to get out of it either. You might think, well, you're above it. No, you're not. If you're really preaching the word, if you're really standing up for God, then you're going to be persecuted. I've been persecuted for the word's sake um, different times. You know, for especially Brother Hagin said, if you, preach, if you preach the baptism in the Holy Spirit and you preach divine healing, you're going to be persecuted. And if you take a stand, see a lot of preachers, they're not taking a stand. You know, they just go along with anything. And you've got to take a stand today. You know, I, I take a stand for what's right. I don't agree with everything President Trump says or does, but he is for liberty. He is for, uh, he is for uh, the church. He is for ministers. He said you should be able to preach the word. You should be able to say Merry Christmas. Nobody should be dictating to you what you should say. And uh, you should have as much freedom as... Uh, the liberals do who say all this stuff it's, it's terrible so um, so th- th- there is persecution for the word's sake and and but Jesus is right there he's always been with me and and uh, he's always brought me through and I'm still preaching a lot of them are dead and gone that opposed and stood and was so nasty and said if you preach that baptism of the Holy Spirit anymore you're heading but trouble in this church again I mean, right at the door, right at the door. They threaten you right at the door. You better not preach that again. Uh, and if, if you stand, <laughs> some of you laughing, y'all know it was true because some of you were there. But anyway, if, if you don't take a stand, see, you know, they're dead and gone or inactive. But if we stand up for Jesus and the Word of God, we can keep going a long time. <laughs> like me, for instance. Okay, um, so... Um, Christ, our pilot, is always with. He's always with you in the trials of life, including death. And um, for our God is with us forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. You know, I've had, uh, I really believe Jesus is coming soon. I've had two prophetic dreams recently. And uh, one was a couple months ago. And um, I was at this place, and there was a cave there. And I knew the devil was in that cave. And I had to go in and fight the devil. And I said, Lord, I cannot go in there. I mean, it is, I mean, it is, when you realize what we're up against without Jesus. And I said, I can't, I know the devil's in there. I can't go in there and fight him. And, and Jesus, it was like he, just like this, like he had his hand on, on my shoulder. And he said, look. I did not tell you to fight the devil alone. I am the line of the tribe of Judah. I'm not, I'm not some, a little weak person. I spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, defeating them. 
And he said, no, you're not in this battle alone. And um, I mean, this scripture started coming and just, oh, I, I just felt such a peace. And, and I said, oh, Lord, I just thought I was in this battle alone. And I, I thought, it just seemed like I was, he said, no, I'm your pilot. And my hand's on your shoulder and I'm pointing you the way to come out of this. And all this is going to work out. Everything's going to work out okay. It's going to even be better than before. And he's telling you the same thing, whatever you're going through with. And then all at once, when the Lord assured me that I didn't have to fight the devil alone, that I had the armor of God, Ephesians 6, it just seemed like it just, the whole atmosphere changed. It was just glorious. It was just, you could just feel that Jesus was coming. It, it, I mean, it was, it was just, I can't even describe it. It, it, was, just, it was just glorious. And it, it was like the angels began to sing, and, and people just had this anticipation. It's like when the rapture is going to happen, you know. We're just going to be like, oh, my God. This is really happening. And... Uh, and I was just ready for him to burst through the sky. And I asked him later, I said, Lord, why didn't I hear the trumpet sound? He said, look, if you'd heard the trumpet sound, I'd have been here. I'd have come. He said, I could not blow that. God could not blow that trumpet because it would have been it right there. He said, I was just showing you what's going to happen shortly. And I really believe it's going to be in the next few years. I really do. We've been talking about this thing for a long time. He said, no, it's not going to be a long time. It's going to be, I believe, in the next few years. And he said, I want you to really get serious about this thing. Really get serious. Because I really am coming. And I mean, I mean, it was just like that. You know, I was like, i got to fight the devil. No, you're not fighting the devil. And then, just like that, it's all over. It's just all over. Just Jesus was ready to come. And, and he said, if that trumpet would have, was sounding my dream, he said, I'd have had to come. I'd have been here. Because God would, God would have blown that trumpet. When he does, when he does, that's it. Because, you know, Jesus don't know. He knows. He don't know the day or the hour, but he knows the season. We know the season. It's almost here. And when God blows, the trumpet of God blows, just like that. It's all over. So we need to be reaching everybody we can reach. We need to be loving everybody we can love. And uh, speaking the word. Everybody, we can speak the word to, and uh, because Jesus is coming very, very soon. Who cares about the clouds if we're together to sing a song and bring the sunny weather? Happy trails to you till we meet again.